0: Hey, the book of Colossians, you have now read it. Congratulations. It is, uh, it's a really been a, a, a great study for myself. Uh, one of the things, I, ju- I just want to start with this. One of the, the main takeaways that, that I've been able to kind of walk away from since the, the last couple weeks has just been this idea of gratitude that Paul has, this idea of thankfulness that like, man, in my life, it is so easy for me to complain. It is so easy for me to take for granted the things that God has given me. And so in my life, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying just like day after day, this, this, this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving has been coming into my mind. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to live that out a little bit more in my life. And so I hope you've been able to take something away from it too. And as we end it today, I'm not going to spend too much time recapping. In fact, I'm not going to spend any time at all uh, because we've done the whole book. And so maybe just go back and and watch some sermons. Check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can listen, except for last week because if you weren't here last week, uh, we went zero dark 30, about 15 minutes into this thing. All the lights went out. Everything went off. Uh, The kids lost power. It was just so, that is not there. That's there, uh, That's not there on Spotify, but with that... Let's jump in, Colossians 4, this is the part that you really skip over to get to the rest of the books. This is what it says in verse seven and following. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, and I don't know if that's how you say it, but if you say it quickly and with authority, no one questions it, right? So you just just read it quickly. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are And how that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas, his cousin, concerning whom you have received instruction, and if he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers, so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you and those in Laodicea and those in the Heropolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans so that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry that you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So Paul is saying his farewell. This is a letter. And Paul is ending his letter and saying goodbye. And you may be asking, okay, how do we get a sermon out of just a list of names? And that was what I was asking when I went to this passage and thought, what are we gonna be talking about here? What are we sharing here? And maybe you're like, yeah, I kind of skipped this part. Anytime there's names, I just kind of gloss over it because that's for that culture and that context. It has nothing to do with me. And so I'll just get to another book. And if that's you, number one, I've done it too. But number two, I think you can learn something today, or at least I hope you do, because with this passage in mind, don't flip there, but it'll be on the screen. I want to turn your attention to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. With with this in mind, of all these men and women, this is what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 3. For by grace given to me, I tell everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many in one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If you're underlining in your Bible, underline that. We have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If extorting, in extortion. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Last week, we saw this invitation to look beyond ourselves. This invitation that you and I have. To stop looking at ourselves and start looking beyond ourselves, We kind of said it like this. On behalf of people, pray to God. That's what Paul was saying. But then on behalf of God, love people. Paul kind of encapsulates this entire book of Colossians, which has a lot to do with how you and I treat each other with just the four verses we read last week. Where it was like, hey, never stop praying, right? Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray in thanksgiving, and pray to God on behalf of people. Paul says, in my ministry, would you pray that I would be faithful to share the gospel even in my chains? That's what he says. And then he says, you know what? As you're rubbing shoulders with outsiders, let your, 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 your speech be seasoned with salt. Let it be gracious. So he shares us. Look beyond yourself in your prayers and in the way that you act. And some of you hear that invitation to look beyond yourself and you think, yeah, that's for them, that's not for me. And I don't think a lot of you say that, not because you're you're pompous and you think that you never ever look to anyone else, because I I think you would actually say that invitation is for someone else because I'm not good enough to look beyond myself. Like when you hear, pray to God on behalf of people, you may be thinking, he doesn't want to hear my prayers. With what I've done this week, there's no way I can pray for that person. And then you may also be tempted to think when you hear this invitation to love people on behalf of God, think I can't do that. Like I'm such a, like I'm not a good boss. There's no way I could walk in Monday morning after just dressing down my team that last Friday and walk in and actually love people. I can't love people. They're, they're, they're gonna see right through me. So when I say that you may be tempted to think that that invitation to look beyond yourself is not for you, it's for your neighbor, I don't think it's because you think too highly of yourself. I think it's because you think too lowly of yourself. And so what Romans 12 tells us, if that is you and you think too lowly of yourself and you think this invitation is not for me, this next step Sunday, that's not for me. I'll get my life together and then I'll take a next step. If that is your burden that you carry and that is a burden, think about what Romans 12 tells us with Colossians 4 in mind. That what? We have many functions, one body. And so what I want to share with us today as we jump out of Colossians but as we study this and we're gonna leave it up the whole time. This is the only point I have for us today, okay? This is everything that it comes down to, that there is a collective invitation, but specific individual giftings. That's it. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what Paul is saying in Romans, and that's what he's saying through this list of faithful men and women. That's where we're going this morning, that there is a collective invitation. The invitation is for all of us, I am inviting you, Citizens Church, if you hear my voice, the invitation is for you, but there is specific individual giftings. Think of any ball team. Is there not a collective effort to win? But not everybody plays the same position. I mean, that's why the body is so culturally and like, yeah, that makes sense. Because Paul literally says, forget a ball team. Think of your body. Your body, all the systems, all the parts are trying to do one collective thing, stay alive. But my heart is not doing the same thing that my lungs are doing. My toes don't do the same thing that my ears do. My hands don't do the same thing that my legs do, but they are all working together to what? Keep this thing safe. That's where we're going this morning because church is no different. If you call this place home, then Colossians 4, 7 through 18 is not, a, uh, is, is, is not a passage to gloss over, but it's a passage to jump into and recognize that you have a part to play. And if you wonder if I'm talking about you, yes, you, not your neighbor, you. And so what I want us to do today is just walk through this list. Walk through this list. Why did Paul include these people? Well, number one, he included these people because this is an actual letter to actual people in an actual place in an actual part of time. <laughs> like that, That's why he included these people. For us, reading thousands of years later, we're like, Tychicus, who the heck is that? Well, that doesn't matter. But the people receiving the letter, they'd be like, Tychicus, oh yeah, that's my boy. They might have called him Ty. I don't, I don't know, but, but they would have known him. And so, of course, Paul is going to use these names because we can't forget this book. This book is not an old history book. It's a timeless book. It will always stand. When we are dead and gone, this book will still be being preached. But there's still this cultural piece to it where it's like, of course Paul includes all these people because he's writing to actual people. If I was writing you a letter, would I not be like, hey, and by the way, Emily and Jane are doing well. Like if you knew me, would that be weird to you? Or would that be, oh yeah, I'm glad they're doing well. That's the kind of thing that's happening here. So why did Paul include them? Number one, because they're real people in a real place for a real time. But number two, And this is where the spirit, I think, just gets all up in it. Because as we study these people, we take something away. So let's just walk through it. And we start here with Tychicus. What does he say? Tychicus, the first name that he mentions in this farewell greeting. We have heard this name before. In fact, in other letters that Paul is writing, Tychicus was the one who has delivered these letters to the church in Ephesians, which we're gonna get to, which they believe is the church in Laodicea that he's talking about. Uh, Tychicus was the one who was also delivering those letters. But notice that Paul uses him first. And why does Paul mention him first? What is Tychicus's main role here within this letter? Why is he entrusted in taking it to the Colossians? I love how Paul uses this and calls this out in him, that as he gets to you, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna teach you? Is he going to admonish you? Is he going to correct you no he's not going to do any of those things what's he going to do he's going to encourage you are there any encouragers in the room if there are come see me after because i always need encouragement but i love that paul sends this letter with a man who is known for his encouragement did you know that that is a gift in the church do you believe today that the church needs more encouragement like we need more encouragers We need more people who are encouraging one another because you realize that as Paul writes this letter, where is he at? In chains, right? And so to receive this letter and hear, hey, I'm in jail, by the way, and they've never met Paul, how easy would it be to be discouraged? And he's like, you know what? I need to be careful because they're gonna get the news that I'm in chains and they could be discouraged. So you know what? I'll send it with Tychicus because he's the best encourager I know. And so he sends this letter with Tychicus because he is going to encourage the church and we need this. We need these people. If you are an encourager in here, then boy, do we have a spot for you. He encouraged the church. But he's coming with someone, right? Tychicus is actually bringing someone with him and who is he bringing? Second name we get on the list, Onesimus, And maybe you're like, wait, I've heard that before. Yeah, you you heard it last week or the week before. As Paul was writing to slaves and masters, Onesimus was a bond servant. He was a slave. And he was actually a runaway slave that had come to Paul. And this is why we get the letter to Philemon. Because Paul's going to be writing to Philemon, who was over Onesimus. And what would he say? Accept Onesimus back as a brother. Accept him back as a brother, and anything that he owes you, put it on my account. And we're like, yeah, man, that is so good. But that's not just a Christian thing. That's a sociopolitical thing as well, because here's what was true. Of any bond servant within the New Testament that we read of, mainly what they would be working for is working off a debt. What you could do is actually enslave yourself if you wanted to. No less it was terrible, and we talked about that, right? The owning of another person is never God-honoring. But in this situation, as a bond servant, if you were to put yourself in a place where you were paying off a debt, if you were to run away like Onesimus did and not pay your debt in this society, doesn't matter if you're Christian or pagan, you would be looked down upon because you backed out of a deal. Onesimus, I think this is why he went to Paul, because he knew that by walking away from that, his reputation is ruined. ruined. No one's gonna treat him fairly. So it's not just a Christian thing that Paul says, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. He's literally meaning like he doesn't owe you a thing, put it on my account. Paul is saying, welcome him. Welcome him back because his past doesn't define his current identity. And this is what the gospel says to us. That your debt is on someone else's account. And if you are in Christ Jesus today, then you, like Onesimus, are welcomed into a family as a son or as a daughter, not as a slave. And someone has taken care of your debt. It's not that it just goes away. And Christianity, by the way, is the only religion that does something with our debt. It's the only religion that says God doesn't just turn a blind eye or you don't just work hard enough for your good to outweigh your bad and you reach some sort of nirvana. Christianity is the only religion That says God sees your sin and does something with it. And what did he do with it? He put it on Jesus. He put it on the cross. That's what Colossians told us, right? He has nailed it to the cross. Christianity is the only religion that does something with your sin. And so Paul is saying, welcome Onesimus back to Philemon. And then I love that he's being used here as well because his past doesn't bring out his current identity. Only the gospel of Jesus does this for you. And so as we look at a man like Onesimus, I just wanna say to you, you are not your shame. You are not your sin. You are not what they call you. You are not what you used to be. It's such a benefit to the church that Onesimus is coming with Tychicus because if they've heard anything about this man, They've heard, oh, he's the runaway. You can't trust him. But now he's bringing a letter with the encourager because your past doesn't identify where you're at today. And some of you are walking around with past shame, past neglect, past voices still hovering over you, and they're not giving you freedom, they're burdening you. And the gospel is the only thing that brings that Freedom that says you are not those things. And it's not that they just disappear, but Jesus deals with them. And like Onesimus, you and I have this testimony that we read aloud with everybody who is serving today, Romans 8, one, that there, there is now therefore no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Onesimus is not a runaway who has blundered his good name. He is a dearly loved brother who is on mission. And we need some people on mission here today who feel the freedom to walk out of their past sin and shame. Not because you're amazing. Not because you know 10 steps to a better healthy life. But because you are following the Lord who has taken your debt and put it to the cross. Guys, we need some people to be walking in mission. And actually, it will be your mistakes. It will be the things that you hate so dearly that Jesus will use for mission. Some people put it like this that your mess becomes what? Your ministry. So we don't need you to act like everything's good. Onesimus was not told, hey man, forget your past, and if they bring it up, just, just like nail it to the side. You're in Jesus, right? Freedom. I bet it's like, yeah, I did those things. Yeah, that was my story. But now, now I am in Christ Jesus and I walk in newness. We need people like that. We need people on mission. Don't shy away from the past. But just know that Jesus can do something with it if you are feeling shame today. And so those are the two cats that are bringing the letter to the Colossian church. And it's for a reason. And then we get to this, Aristarchus, right? You know his spiritual gift? Sitting with the sufferer. Who was with Paul? Aristarchus, verse 10, my fellow prisoner. (laughs) He sends you greetings too. You know some of the best things that you can do in here as a spiritual gift when someone is suffering? Is just sit with them and shut up. Like, Aristarchus was this dude. Throughout the New Testament, Aristarchus is with Paul when he is in the thick of it. Like, literally, you look back, if you Google that, you will see him sitting in the thick of it with Paul on these missionary journeys when things are going terrible. And so I love that Aristarchus is literally, like, with him. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's with me, and he sends you greetings, too. I wonder how encouraged Paul was with having Aristarchus by his side in prison. And so my question for you is, do you have someone like that in your life that will sit there with you when you are in it? And man, as adult men and women, we are so good with having buddies. You got your gym buddy, your fishing buddy, your drinking buddy. You got buddies everywhere. Do you have friends? Do you have people that are sitting with you in it? That when your life is terrible, who do you text, who do you call, and they show up? What a gift that is. So are you good at just showing up and shutting up? You will encourage someone. I mean, think back. When you are in it and your life was terrible, did you have someone who showed up and they didn't give you all the answers? Beware of the people who are like, well, you're walking through this because. Like, anybody who says that probably hasn't been through it. But do you have anybody that just had the ministry of showing up? They just showed up. They didn't offer any advice, but they were there. It's crazy, isn't it, how much more that means to us? Someone just sitting with us, crying with us, being with us, waiting with us, praying with us, then bringing all the answers. Aristarchus is here. He's like, hey, he says hello too, and he's right here with me. And they're probably like, of course he is, because that's who he is. And then we get to Mark, and we're like, finally, a name that we recognize And Paul in verse 10 says, if he comes, welcome him. Like not only is Aristarchus with us, but if Mark comes, welcome him. We're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's really nice. But do you realize that in Acts 13, Paul and Mark, this Mark has a falling out. And on one of the missionary journeys, Mark and Paul have such a heavy disagreement that two chapters later in Acts 15, as Paul is going this way, he actually splits with Barnabas because Barnabas wants to take Mark. And Paul says, no, I've been around him. We ain't taking him. Literally, that happens. And they go separate ways. Guys, do you realize that we don't walk and live in a perfect community? Like, I love that that is in here, that the writer of the New Testament did not leave that out. That it was like Acts 13. Paul and Mark disagree. They get mad at each other. They separate. Two chapters later, hey, everything's good, right? No, it's not good. We ain't taking him. And Barnabas is like, well, I'm taking him. And Paul's like, well, you ain't going with me then. So they go two separate places. And yet he's on this list and Paul says, what, welcome him. Guys, I can't stress this enough. If you were only on mission, when you're not upset with a church or anyone in the church, you will waste a lot of time. And I say this, I don't say this pompously, I just say this with, with full sincerity. If you are only with us until I make you mad or someone in here makes you mad, then please do us all a favor and we will help you find another place to worship. If you're only here until someone makes you mad and that's probably me, and you're only with us until that time, then I would love, love, love to help you find another church. Because here's the deal. I will let you down. People in this community will let you down. That's just the comedy of our Lord that He says, Hey, let's put a bunch of sinners in the same room and call it church. And that's why we don't worship me. We don't worship the band. We don't worship the kids' ministry. We don't worship all these things that don't matter. We worship the Lord. So I love that Mark is included in this list because it was not long that that long ago that they were like, no nah, we're not going. And guys, here's what I mean as I say all that. Disagreements, I'm cool with. That's going to happen. I don't mean if if you get mad at me, then we don't need you here. What I mean is if there's no chance to reconcile. Do you know that there's a difference in just getting mad at each other, but then actually reconciling the relationship? Disagreement, I'm cool with. We can work through about anything. Mark and Paul did. No problem with that. But the problem lies when forgiveness and reconciliation are not on the table. Disagreements do not stop the mission. In fact, this disagreement in the book of Acts spread the mission because now you don't have everybody going to one place. you got two groups going to different places. Disagreements don't stop the mission. Grudges do. Disagreements don't build barriers. Grudges do. Disagreements are just an opportunity for gospel reconciliation. Disagreements are the opportunity for two parties to come together and say, I messed up, I messed up, I forgive you, I forgive you, I love you, we're back on mission together. Disagreements, I'm cool with. We can disagree with each other all the time. I mean, I hope we don't, but if we do, that's okay. It's when reconciliation isn't an option that it hinders the mission. Imagine if Paul was like, Mark, screw him. I'll never take him back. He's, nah, he ain't going. Imagine if Mark wasn't on this list. It hinders mission. But he's there. He's there. Because even though they had a falling out, the gospel reconciles, amen? And he stayed on mission, even when they didn't like each other too much. And then you got this next guy whose name is Jesus, and they're like, yeah, that's taken, let's just call you justice. <laughs> Which is so interesting because it's like, you know, those are Latin and Greek names, and so it makes sense for are like, hey, we'll just... Jesus is taken I mean Jesus was a very common name but once the Christ comes and his name is Jesus and he goes to the cross and resurrects it's like yeah you we probably shouldn't call you Jesus anymore let's just call you justice and we know nothing else about him literally like that's all we know about him that they changed this dude's name this is the only place in scripture that justice whoever this guy is is mentioned you're like man we have nothing to learn from him yes we do because do you recognize that 99% of the faithful pastors, faithful church members, and faithful churches in this world, no one will ever know? Like so many times in church world, we are tempted to what, build a name for ourselves. And God, we need big churches. Yes, yes, we need big churches. We need big ministries who can do things that smaller churches can't do but we also need the 99% of the other faithful churches and faithful people where no one will ever know your name except for your spouse and the Lord. I mentioned this, but last week, man, Tim Keller died. And most people knew Tim Keller and praise God for Tim Keller. But so many people aren't Tim Keller. And if you're just trying to be this person where everybody knows your name, how much time will you waste we know nothing about justice. He was never famous. He was never known. He was just faithful. Paul knew him and God knew him. And so he's in here because if you feel like, man, I don't make a difference, maybe you're judging that based on what people see. I can't make a difference. I don't have the mic. This mic doesn't make a difference. It just makes me louder, which is not always good. Be faithful, even if no one knows who you are. Be faithful. That's who God looks at and smiles upon. Who are you when no one is watching? That's character. When no one is watching except the Lord, who are you? That's who justice was. And then we get the church planter. Epaphras is the next name on our list. He was the one who started this church. And I love that Paul says, he is one of you. He was the one who started this church. Paul never met these people. And so he's like, Epaphras is someone that you know. Epaphras immersed himself in the culture and brought the gospel there. And then Paul mentions, he did it also in Laodicea, which like I said in the beginning, people think this is the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. Epaphras, man, he was a starter. He was a builder. We need those. As much as we need faithful folks who are going to serve in the background until they de- the day that they die, and no one knows them except for their spouse and the Lord. We need those people. We also need people like Epaphras who are builders, who are starters. You know why? Because we need to plant more churches. If your gift is not starting something, then maybe you shouldn't be a church planter. Maybe you should just join the team though. We need builders. We need starters. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, we built this cross and we're gonna stain it and wood burn it and all the stuff that I don't know how to do. What we saw in that moment was that we needed builders who knew what they were doing and then we needed guys like me who went and got biscuits. (laughs) But we needed builders. This is who Epaphras is. Paul never met these people yet they are connected through the faithfulness of Epaphras and his team. We need folks who can start stuff. That's a gift to the church. And then we have Luke, and we're like, oh yeah, we know him. Luke, who wrote what? Luke and the book of Acts. We have Luke next on this list, and what he says, what Paul says about Luke, I love, because as we're just walking down this list, it's like, man, I'm so glad these faithful men did this. What does he say? Luke, the dearly loved physician, not Luke, the gospel writer, but Luke, the dearly loved physician. So let me ask you, are you a dearly loved teacher, manager, boss, lawyer, nurse, or plumber? It's so important for you guys who will never be pastors. Maybe some of you will, praise God, but but a lot of you won't. And you think, can I make a difference? I love that Luke was known for being a good doctor. The dearly loved physician. Now, that wasn't his whole identity, right? Because in Christ, our identity is not what we do as a job. Our identity is Jesus. However, 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 what do you do for work? And are you dearly loved by the outsiders? Are you fair? Are you kind? Are you gracious? Or are you a jerk? What do you do for work? Luke was the dearly loved physician. And he leveraged his giftings in health care to be on mission. What can you leverage tomorrow? Tomorrow as you go sell stuff, as you go heal stuff, as you go touch stuff, as you go build stuff, as you go oversee stuff, what can you do tomorrow to leverage what you are for the mission? Your job is way more important than mine. You are the ones that are interacting in a mission field every single day. I got the easy job. You guys got the hard job, where you're walking into a break room where it's full of non-believers. And you're like, ah, do I pray for lunch? Mm, That's that's difficult. Do I invite them to church? Ah, I don't know. That's difficult. You guys are on the mission field. And Luke is an example. Even though he did so many godly, great things. I love that Paul says he's the dearly loved physician because that's just who he was. Leverage, leverage where you are. And then we get Demas. Demas. After Luke, we get Demas, and now this is super interesting, because you might, if you've read any other letters, specifically the pastoral epistles, like 1st or 2nd Timothy, you might have remembered this name, because Demas was the one in 1st Timothy that Paul says what? Now, Demas is no longer with us, because he loved this present world. Now, Demas was with Paul going to Rome. But he loved this world, he says, and he returned to Thessalonica. Paul says, Demas deserted me in 2 Timothy. And Paul's statement that Demas loved this world apparently means that the pressures of Paul's situation and the lure of an easier life caused him to forsake the Lord. So you could be thinking, why is he on this list? You know why he's on this list? Because God isn't waiting for a future you. He loves the you of today. He loves the you that is in Christ Jesus today. So many times we think God saves us. Now I must do the work to make myself better. And we think God will love a future version of us. The future version of Demas deserted the mission because he loved this world, whatever that meant. And yet he is on this list because in this day he was on mission doing these things. So many of us, so many of us get caught up in the, in the belief in the temptation that God loves the future you, not the you of today that screws up. And it's interesting to me that the future you is always better than the yesterday of you. And then we get to the future and what? Oh, that person's not that great. Demas is on this list because God knew the outcome and still used Demas in this moment. God doesn't love a future version of you. He loves this version of you. If you were in Christ Jesus, what did Romans 8 say? There's no condemnation. Who is the you of today? So many of us think we need to get better before we get into the game. That's just not true. I don't know where you'll be in a year, but I know where you are today. You don't know where you'll be in a year, but you know where you're at today. Get in the game. Demas made the list. And then, ladies, stick with me. All these men, we got this lady. Her name is Nympha. Nympha was not a name that we thought about naming our daughter. But it's translated as bride. And honestly, if if the church is in her home, this this is what the scriptures say, right? Like, greet Nympha as well and greet the church in her home. Here's what we know about her. You ready for this? She's a baller. Like, Nympha was a ball. If the church is in her home, that means she's got enough space for it. And Nympha was a faithful woman who probably had the financial resources that blessed the ministry. And so it is with some of you. Some of you in here make bank, and you need to use your money for the glory of God. If you earn it fairly and rightly, don't ever apologize for how much money you make. We need those who make more to leverage it for the mission. If you can give more than your neighbor, give more. And this isn't a topic on your money, it's just true. That it takes these people, right? It takes these people who can give more because they make more to see the mission of generosity go forth. I love that she's mentioned because she probably leveraged her financial resources and established the church in her home and was like, I can't do much, but I can do this. And it's like, trust me, that is plenty. Remember the woman Lydia that we meet in the book of Acts, but then we see that the church in Philippi was started in her house, and what was she? She was the, the one that, that, that sown and made fine purple goods, like in the church started in her home too. Like she was, she was wealthy. She was one that really supported the ministry of Paul. We have Mary Magdalene, who supported the ministry of Jesus. Like, it's interesting. We got a bunch of men in the New Testament, but we also got a bunch of women who are doing faithful things to support the ministry of a bunch of screwed up men, minus Jesus. And so if you have bank to leverage, leverage it, I will never reject your money here, ever. I hope to have some one day, but, you know, we're church planners, so, you know, my, my treasure's in heaven, um, are you giving financially to support the mission? Oh my gosh, that's so important. I love that she's in this list. And then we get to verse 17. We get to verse 17 and we got one more name, Aristar- er- uh, no, we've already done Aristarchus. We got uh, Archippus. And I wanna throw this verse on the screen, verse 17. Number one, because the screen's been the same thing and you need To see something different. But number two, it really encapsulates this entire farewell. This is what verse 17 says. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry that you have received from the Lord so that you can accomplish it. You know what Paul just said? Bro, only you can do what you can do. Like, I love that this is the last name and this is what Paul says because you know what he doesn't say? Be another Tychicus. Hey, be like Nympha, just just make a bunch of money and start a church in your home. Hey, be Luke, because he's a dearly loved physician. Be Mark, be Aristarchus. No, to Archippus, what does he say? Hey, tell him to do what only he can. He says, Archippus, you have received a special, unique gifting from the Lord. And he, he, the Lord, is equipping you to do it. That's what you need to do. Imagine, just for a second, if you tried to overstep and be Jane's father or be Jane's mother. We have a five month old Jane, and imagine if you just one day were like, you know what, I think I'll, I'll do this. I'll take care of that. Emily and I would have an issue with that, right? If we didn't have an issue with it, we would be bad parents. Now, for a weekend, you can be your father, you can be your mother, no worries. But what if you full-time were like, you know what, I'll just do that. That would be overstepping why, because Jane is not yours, she is ours. Now, she belongs to the Lord, right? The Lord has given her to who? Me and Emily specifically. And it's foolish for anybody to think, well, I know the Lord's given it to you specifically, but I think I'll handle it. Or for us to actually hand over what the Lord has given to me and let someone else handle her. That's foolish, we all know that. But so it is with our giftings. So many times the Lord has given us a gift and maybe we just let other people take it because we expect they'll do a better job than me. Are you handing over the gift that God specifically gave to you? How do you know if you are? When we say things like Next Step Sunday, you're like, I think this person could do that, but not me. Maybe you're already planning on leaving the card in your seat next week. You would never do that with a child but we do that with our giftings. And what Paul is saying to Archippus is do not do that. You don't need to be a Tychicus. You need to be an Archippus. You don't need to be an Adam. We don't need more Adams. We need you to be you. So many of us have a God-given calling that he only gave to us and we're waiting for someone else to do the job. Next Sunday is, is Next Step Sunday. And as we walk out of the book of Colossians, we wanted to take an opportunity As the Colossians, uh, the the book of Colossians has been teaching us how to interact with one another, how to care for one another, how to mortify the flesh, but put on the spirit. Like it's been teaching us so many things. And then we get to this list and it's like all these faithful men and women doing their God-given talent. We want you to be able to walk out your God-given talent. We want you to be able to tangibly do something. And so put your name in verse 17. Is the Lord saying, hey, Adam, The Lord has equipped you to do what only you can do, so go do it. Put your name there. I think that's what God would tell us. Quit trying to be like your neighbor or the people you see on stage or the people who bat, like be you, we need you. What is the Lord inviting you to do that only you can do? Well, let me ask you this, what do you like? Like that's a good place to start. Like one of the the, the ways that we figured out that we wanted to start a church in Kernersville was the Jesus answer was like prayer and fasting. We really did for two weeks in January of 2020. We prayed and we fasted and we landed on Kernersville. But another way was just we wanted to be here. Like I'll never forget talking to the the pastor of our sending church and his wife and we were like, I mean, we want to be in the triad, but is that what the Lord wants? And they're like, well, God is a good father. Like maybe he's actually giving you what you want. So many times we're like, well, this is what I want, but does the Lord want this? (laughs) Maybe he doesn't, but a lot of times he probably does, and we over-spiritualize it. Like, what are you good at? Like, oh, man, I can sing, but maybe the Lord wants me to serve in kids. Maybe he wants you to sing. Now, maybe he does want you to serve in kids. Maybe he wants you up here. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? Let's start there and take hold of it. Grab onto it. Use it. So next week, we're gonna take next steps and ask you, what is the Lord calling you to do? And maybe it starts with what you're good at. Serving may be your next step. Man, I just mentioned it, but did you know, we, we did this planning. Did you know that if we got six more workers to serve once a month in kids' ministry, we would completely fill every classroom with workers? And no one would serve more than twice a month, not even the leader's. If we got six more people to say, I will take one Sunday a month, we could fill every classroom. Guys, we got like six babies being born this week. We had two, we had twins born yesterday. So reach out to the Geigers. They had their babies. That's right. Yeah, they're doing great. Babies are being born. Who's going to hold them? <laughs> I mean, you might, but that's fine. But if I'm up here holding Jane, we got a problem, okay? six more workers that's all we need to serve once a month so is serving your 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 one step or should the faithful ladies just serve three times a month you know i don't know anyone can hold a baby yeah but he's calling you maybe serving outside the church is your next step well we're going to give you that opportunity on wednesday june 7th we're going to have a training at 6 p.m at the hope center here in kernersville It's part of Re3 Church and their ministry. we're gonna have a training because what the Hope Center does in Kernersville, and we support them financially and we had this entire year, is is they distribute food and clothing to people in need in Kernersville. Kernersville is such a small little quaint town, you, 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 you would never see the need, right? Everybody in Kernersville has got exactly what they need. No, they don't. They don't have everything. And so ministries like the Hope Center come alongside and and, and partnering with government foundations, they give food and they give clothes and people show up. And you know what? I met with Sam Main who runs the Hope Center and he was like, yeah, you know what would be really awesome? If we had one more night a month that we could open it up because right now we only have enough volunteers to do Saturdays and Monday mornings. But if we could just have maybe a Wednesday night and I thought, you know what? We can do that. So June 7th, mark your calendars. Come out there with us. Be trained because what we're going to do throughout the summer and it may continue but we're gonna at least try it during the summer is every fourth Wednesday in June, July, and August, we are going to serve at the Hope Center and we're going to distribute food and distribute clothes to those in need. That's what we're called to do. That is an easy, easy next step for serving. So will you be there June 7th to be trained and then consequently join us on the fourth Wednesday night? In fact, for groups, we're asking that groups, community groups, do not meet that week and instead that's what you do. But if when I say that, you think, oh man, Wednesday night's not, that'd be nice to have off. You're not on mission, like you're just not. You don't have to do everything. But if your initial thought is like, someone else will do that, <sighs> I don't think so. So we're gonna be serving there. Is giving your next step. Come on, Nympha, she opened her home. And maybe your next step is not to open your home, but maybe it is for a community group. Or maybe it's just like, you know what? I've been neglecting this, I've been holding to my money. <laughs> I've been loving my money and using the Lord when it's like, man, let me love the Lord and use my money and I I want to be in that vein. And so maybe you just need to write a check Maybe your check's $1,000. Maybe your check is $100. Maybe your check is $10. But it's a small next step that the Lord is telling you to leverage your finances. If you call this place home and you're not giving to our mission, and our mission is to plant churches, our mission is to support the Hope Center, our mission is to spread the love of Christ throughout this community and to the ends of the world so that people will be brought near and built up in Jesus Christ. Like, that is our mission. If you're not giving to it, why not now? And then... And then maybe it's baptism. We're baptizing a girl next week. I'm really excited about it. She's been in our fellowship for a couple months now, and, and she heard, like, yeah, I, I need to be baptized. So we'll be we're baptizing her, but, but who else needs to be baptized? And when I say that, do you say, well, I think I do, but maybe that's not for me. Maybe it is for you. Maybe you just started following Jesus recently and you need to take that public through baptism. Or maybe you were baptized as a child and it didn't really mean anything to you. And ever since that day, you've been following Jesus and you haven't been baptized. Whatever your story is, we'd at least love to have a conversation with you. So maybe that's your next step. Take it public and get baptized next week. Maybe your next step is membership. Our next partnership, which is what we call members here, partners, is July 9th. July 9th, we will be meeting after service, as we always do, walking through our membership covenant. And maybe some of you will be signing that partnership. Maybe some of you have been in the class but haven't signed the partnership and need to. And you need to come under the authority and come into the community uh, once and for all with this body. There are so many next steps that we can take. So many. Who's inviting their neighbor over for dinner? Man, imagine if you did that just once a month. Just invite them over. Many members, right? One body. It is a collective invitation. If you don't think this invitation is for you, you're wrong. It's for you. And it's for you to use your specific, specific individualistic giftings. And so as the ladies come back up and use their specific giftings, we're just going to pray. We're going to sing. And in this moment, as we have uh, some folks in the back that would love to pray for you, maybe you need prayer today to be taking your next step. Like maybe you don't need to wait till June 4th. Maybe you need to say, no, 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 I I recognize what my next step is and the Lord is calling me to this because I want to leverage my life like these faithful men and women. Even if nobody knows my name, I wanna leverage my life for the sake of mission. Maybe that's you and you need prayer today. Maybe you need prayer today because your next step is to follow the Lord for the first time. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. And maybe today your next step is to follow Jesus. That would be a really, really great next step that we would all celebrate with you. That maybe you for the first time need to be like, no, I need to come under the authority of the cross and believe that when Jesus died for me and resurrected that it counted for me. That if I put my trust in him, it counted for me. Maybe you've heard that every single week here and you need to ultimately and finally come under that. If that's you, we would love to pray for you. Whatever your next step is, leverage your life for the sake of mission. That's what Colossians has taught us. Don't be a jerk and leverage your life. Next steps, small next steps, small guys. And so wherever you find yourself today, if you desire prayer, we will be in the back as we sing this next song. And then we will all continue to sing and and, and pray together. As it's like, man, what is the Lord calling us to? How is he calling us to leverage our life? Paul writes in verse 18, pray for me while I'm in chains. Paul writes this as a man who's doing it. And I love how in the midst of his chains and in the midst of him being what? Like probably the most famous person of the New Testament outside of Jesus. He shouts out all these faithful folks that are with him. He's like, nah, I'm not that impressive.
1: But Aristarchus, he's impressive.
0: Tychicus, he's great. Nymph, oh yeah, she's great. Justice, who used to be named Jesus. Yeah, he's great too. Like, I love how Paul shouts them out. So so what about you? What about you? Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you call us to not stand still. Thank you that you do not call us to just use this life and just survive. But you call us to thrive and take in the next step. And Jesus, we don't need the book of Colossians to take a next step. We don't need this church. We we need your spirit that is every day saying, hey, follow after me. Like every day is a next step, following after Jesus. Because so many times life is confusing, life is hard, it's blurry. We don't know what's gonna happen. And it's a faith step to just get up in the mornings. So maybe today we just need to take one small step and maybe that's, That's surrendering our life to Jesus. Maybe that's going to get prayer. Maybe that's being baptized. Maybe that's learning how to give or serve or join a community group. Like the Lord is calling us to something. Who's sharing the gospel with a neighbor? Right now when I say share the gospel, a name comes to your heart. You need to pray for them. You need to share the gospel with them. You call us to take next steps. Thank you for that. We don't have to, we get to. And because of that, we are grateful. I pray for everybody here that can hear me. I pray that they would know you and leverage their life for the sake of mission. That we would focus our eyes on what's really important. Thank you for calling us to better and more. It's in Jesus' name.